Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. Listen, coming in hot today, super excited for today's conversation. This is seven questions that your church should really consider if you're wrestling with going from one service to two services. I want to help you think through, help your teams think through, man, what should we be wrestling with if we're kind of at that precipice where we've got one service now, we're thinking about two. Listen, friends, I'm just going to state my bias right up front. Your church should have two services minimum. My bias for all the campuses we've launched over the years, for the churches we've coached, um, for even church plants that I've worked with, I've said, man, we really should be having two services minimum. And why? There's a couple of reasons. First of all, healthy things multiply. We want to, right from the beginning, we want to be embedding your church with a multiplication mindset. And frankly, uh, going from one service to two is the first step in multiplication. Now, eventually we want to get into launching campuses. We want to launch other locations and then eventually networks and um, you know, groups of churches that that launch churches, but the first step is really to go from one service to two. And you know what? More options do make room for more people. We've seen this time and again when a church goes from one to two. Just the step of going one to two is a growth accelerant because there are, for whatever reason, there are people that that can. Uh, not attend an 11 a.m. service, but they can attend a 9 a.m. service. And so when you, if you only offer a 9 a.m., they won't be able to attend. But if you offer a 9 a.m. and an 11 a.m., they could. you'll have more people that can, uh, can attend. So more options do create more opportunities for people. Plus, sociologically, one of the biggest reasons is Dunbar's number. So Dunbar's number is a, a barrier. It's a cognitive limit of the number of people who one can maintain stable social relationships, and that is 200 people. And frankly, lots of churches are caught at the 200 barrier, and we artificially stick at that size. Our auditoriums only take 200. We we can only have that many people in, and we, we can actually force our church to, to slow growth. And by going from one to two, it forces us to have other community systems, getting people onto teams and into groups, rather than relying on the kind of social cohesion of one service of 200 people. So friends, I, I this podcast is not about trying to convince you to go to two services. The, what I want to do is get in your corner and what would be some of the questions that I would be asking us if I was sitting with your leadership team. Here are some questions I would be asking if I was sitting there. Number one, is your church service, your current service, consistently reaching or exceeding capacity? Now this is a bit of a deceptive question. It used to be that, um, you know, if a church service got to 80%, we'd say it's full. Um, this really depended, de- varies from community to community, you know, parts of the country, that sort of thing. Even just individual kind of churches can look a little bit different, but there is a size where, you know, you are, you're reading, you're reaching or exceeding capacity. But friends, I don't want you to think about just the main auditorium. We can often think too much just about the people in front of us. And we forget that our churches really have three distinct capacities, main auditorium, kids capacity, and 
parking capacity? And are any one of those consistently reaching or exceeding capacity? Now, if the answer is no, um, I would look at it, you know, should you actually maybe reduce the capacity in one of those? Maybe, you know, you should take out some rows at the back and put in some soft seating or put in high boys where people could sit and have a coffee while they're sitting there. And why would you do that? Because if you are um, meeting or exceeding that capacity regularly, uh, it will beg the questions. It'll say, hey, should we be adding another service? Should we move towards that? So I would look at all three of your capacities. Think about kids' capacity. Think about parking, um, and and you know, are you are you reaching those? How how does that impact your thinking as you think about going to a second service? All right, number two. What recruitment will be necessary to prepare for an additional service? Okay, let me pull back the curtain a little bit, and um, you know, oftentimes we think that when our church gets to a certain size, we'll have enough volunteers. So, and you, you know, I've thought this at every phase when our church was 200, I thought, man, when we're 500, we'll have enough volunteers. When we were 500 and I thought a thousand, when we were a thousand, I thought 3000, when we were 5,000, I thought 10,000, but you know what? Actually, the thing I've learned over time studying church growth is volunteerism actually precedes growth. It's a leading indicator. So actually we grow our volunteer base first and then our uh, attendance will will follow that. And the reason why that is, it makes sense. If, if, you, if you can move people who are not volunteering to volunteering, the kind of behavior that's required as a church to move people into volunteer roles, what that does is that's deepening people's commitment to your church. They're more likely to tell their friends. And it gets down to even just practically, like on a Friday when they're like, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm helping at this thing at my church. So if I was thinking about a new service, the primary thing that really is the thing that's going to hold you back is not moving people. It's not convincing people of service times. It's not what the service time is. It's not any of those things. It's what can we do to actually build enough volunteers to do this? And I would be looking at trying to grow. Don't just try to squeeze it in with a few people. Use the excuse of going to a new service of saying, hey, we got to find a bunch more. We got to find 50, 100 new volunteers to make this thing happen. Use this to leverage, and that will then ultimately drive more invites uh, in the church. All right, number three, how can we use this to leverage additional training for our volunteers' teams? You know, never waste an opportunity for additional training. And, you know, the reality of it is if you go from one service to two, you're going to go from the guy who always comes up and, and shows up and does X. And maybe it's like a certain ushering role. Maybe it's a certain tech role. Maybe it's a certain, maybe it's a band member. Maybe it's a kid and kids, person in kids ministry. And, you know, what we want to do is leverage this opportunity. This is a golden opportunity to develop standard operating procedures, training opportunity. And, you know, what you could do is go to that volunteer who always shows up and said, hey, you know what? We're really excited for two services and we're looking forward to that. It's launching in, in three months. And I'd like to work with you to really extract out of you what you normally do in your role and get that into a standard document that we can then use to train other people. So we want to leverage this opportunity to launch a new thing, to actually deepen. So add more volunteers and make the volunteer experience even better with more training. Your church will grow as you have an appealing volunteer experience. And this is an opportunity for you to really drive more and a more, a more appealing volunteer experience. All right, number four, what outreach strategies could be employed with the introduction of a new service? So we want to think about this as an opportunity for us to get in front. Friends, we've changed service times. This is really not about service time changes. It's about adding. But there's a lot of anxiety in church leaders around, should I add a service? How many people will come? What service times? All that stuff. And you know what I found time and again when we change service times or when we add a new service is that the church grows. 
And so, and the part of the reason why that is, is because we're actually going to outreach to people more uh, about the fact that we're we're launching this. And so this is one of the reasons why you want to have a bit of a plan. You, you don't want to do this like two weeks from now. You want to march it out 10 weeks from now, eight weeks from now, after Easter, in the fall, that sort of thing. And you want to do both internal and external outreach. You want to reach out internally. You want to use you know email, social media, direct mail, like literally mail people stuff at their homes. Reach out in social media, countdown, certain number of weeks until we're launching a service. Email, you know, make videos, all that kind of thing. And then external, send press releases to your local press. It's true. Most churches, people know that churches are not growing. The fact that you're going from one service to two and you're doing that for Easter Sunday, that is news. You might not get response from it, but uh, man, we'd love to. Uh, we'd we'd love to try signage. Obviously, external. You could put a sign out in front. Going to two services starting on X date. The reason why you would do that is there are people who attended your church three years ago who came to the eleven o'clock, but something changed in their world. But the fact that you've got a nine o'clock now coming up in two months, man, they would be willing to uh, to come and try it again. So, so both internal and external. All right, number five, will multiple services affect the sense of community within our church? So we do want to think about, consider community. You know, we've done multiple times when we've added second or third service before the first service. We would do like meals or snacks, something to try to drive additional community or in between. We would do coffee or, you know, that sort of thing in between to try to increase the sense of community. But friends, my... my caution for you is don't overplay the loss of community uh, because you don't want to be held to the fact that everyone knows everyone in your church. If you hold up a value that, you know, when I come on Sunday morning, everyone knows each other, I can almost guarantee that your church is under 200. You're under Dunbar's number. You're under that 200 barrier. And actually the fact that you keep raising that as a value could be the thing that's slowing down the growth of your church. People, although we want their Sunday mornings to be to, for everyone that comes to, to feel like they were both expected and accepted when they arrive, that should not be their primary community place. That should not be the place where they're developing primary community. That should be in groups and on teams. And so we don't want to overplay this. We, we want to, ha- uh, you know, it's an opportunity for us to add some more, whether it's coffee or snacks or that sort of thing, maybe for service after the last service or volunteers, that sort of thing. Uh, But uh, we want to ultimately take this as an opportunity to move people to groups. And if there is anxiety internally about Dunbar's number of how are we going to get to know each other, then I would push you to say, hmm, man, we need to move, we need to at the same time or maybe before we do this, take an additional run to to people and say, hey, if you are looking to develop community, the best way to develop community to get the most out of our experience is to get plugged into a team and onto a group. All right, number six, how can you maintain a unified church culture across all services? So what we don't want to do is we don't want to say, hey, we're starting a new services to make it easier for you. Please don't ever articulate that you're doing something to make it easier for you. It is not about us. It is all about them. The local church is the only organization in the world that exists for people who are outside our walls. We don't do things to make it easier for our members. We do things to make it easier for them to invite their friends, for them to have their neighbors, to have the people across our street, for them to come. But we don't do it to make it easier for you. So this is an opportunity for you to come back to your vision as a church, to clarify your vision. As we're talking about the going to two services, I would I would cl- uh, cleanly or strongly connect 
the vision of your church with the fact that you're launching two services. This is an opportunity to clarify why is it that your church exists and how does going to two services make that happen? Let's say your church's vision is to, uh, you know, to make Christ known and to know Christ more. I'd get up and say, hey, you know, in a couple weeks, in five weeks, four weeks, three weeks, two weeks, next week, we're launching a new service. And, you know, we're excited because this is going to create more opportunities, more space for your friends to both know Christ and to make him known more. We realize that there's some people that can't get in here. Uh, you know, maybe they're volunteering in kids ministry. And so we want them to attend one and serve one. We, we believe that there's a full experience here at our church is to not only serve, but also to be a part of our weekend services. And so that's a part of how we want to make Christ known or, or see him uh, or to know him more is we want to create more opportunities for our own people. But then on top of that, we want to create new opportunities for people in your life to know Christ. And so this, this move from one service to two is going to help us achieve our vision of knowing Christ more and making him known. So that kind of thing, again, that may not be your vision of your church, but to really try to connect this every time we talk about it, use this as an opportunity to align people around the vision of your church. And then finally, number seven, what can we do to maximize service times of the two services. So oftentimes when church leaders reach out to me and they're wondering about service times, they ask the question, when, 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 when should our service times be? We're thinking a lot about this. And there, you know, there's lots of different ways and feel free to email me. I'm happy to talk to you about this if it's helpful. Uh, but there's really two ways. I like to call it the additive and the split approach to adding a second service. The first is additive. Let's say you have an 11 o'clock, then you would add a nine o'clock. Now in that case, you've got to move people which is a whole other conversation, but we've got to move people from the 11 o'clock to the nine. You've got to go to people in your church, get them to pledge and get them to move to the 11 o'clock. Or you could split, let's say again, you've got an 11 o'clock. You could go to people and say, hey, we've got a 10 and a 12 noon. Um, you know, and you try to move, you, you split the time that's currently there. Now, my preference would be to split, not to be additive, because I think you, by definition, you're moving hundred percent of your people to a new time. So you might have to do this in two steps. Let's, let's say you're thinking in the fall of 2024, here we are in January, 2024, you, you might be adding two services. And let's say you've got an, a, um, you know, a 10 AM service. Now I would be tempted to move my 10 AM to 11 now. So then when I know in the fall, we're going to come back and go back to a 10 and 12 noon and actually split people to those two service services. So I, I would be thinking about that. There's a whole other conversation. If we go to three services, which is, you know, how, which we're not talking about today, but there's this basically you have to decide, do you want people to be there before nine o'clock or over lunch? Uh, but that's a whole other conversation. All right. So those seven questions, is your church service consistently reaching or exceeding its capacity? Number one, number two, what recruitment uh, will be necessary to prepare for an additional service? Number three, how can we use this to leverage additional training for our volunteer teams? Number four, what outreach strategies can be employed with the introduction of this new service? Number five, will multiple service times uh, affect the, uh, the sense of community within our church? Number six, how can we maintain a unified church culture across multiple services? And then num number seven, what can we do to maximize service times of the two services? Thanks so much, friends. Thanks for making this step, going from one to two, multiplying, looking to multiply the good things that are happening at your church. Here at Unseminary, we're here to try to help you with the stuff they don't teach in seminary. Let me know, reach out if we can help you in any way. Take care, friends. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary.
presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.